Have you noticed that um, since the two-minute pause has been reduced to one-minute pause, that one minute feels really quick? Like, it's only like, back in the room. So, uh, yes, I'm here. Good morning. My name's Debbie, if you don't know me. And today, we are finishing our series on identity. Um, and it's something that we do a lot in church, uh, whether it's a specific series or just interlace with other things. Because who you are impacts how you live. And when we know who we are in Christ, it impacts how we deal with circumstances that come along our way. You need to know that you're a son and the daughter of the king. You're a servant and ambassador. You are called and chosen and all the other titles of all the talks that we've done uh, over the last few weeks. And um, today we are looking at temples and altars. When I got the title, uh, I was like, oh, bit of a, uh, to me, it's, it felt, sounds fairly bland. <laughs> I was like, oh, temples, altars, what's that about? And, um, but the wonderful thing is, as we go through uh, being a living temple and a living sacrifice for our Heavenly Father, um, actually, it's really transformative, and it just impacts everything we do and how we live. So, yes, this is what we're doing today, temples and altars, and learning to honor the spirit in our lives, because that will impact how we live as well. So what do you think of when you think of a temple or an altar? And there'll be a picture, there's like lots of different things. You might think of cathedrals, churches, temples, places that people travel to, um, altars. When I was thinking about altars, I was sort of reminded of uh, Abraham and his, taking his son to the altar, but, uh, being obedient to God, and then God said, don't worry, don't do it. Um, but what comes to your mind? If you've got a blank mind, that's okay too. We're going to talk all about it. <laughs> but um, it's just interesting what it brings to mind. Um, because temples and altars are very, very relevant. So we're going to ground it all in Scripture first. It's not about what I've got to say. It's got about the Word of God has got to say. And we're just going to read from Romans, Corinthians, and Peter, and hear, hear from Paul and Peter uh, what, what we can learn uh, about this. So it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you, do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So our lives, what we're going to learn, are called to be both an altar, a living sacrifice, and also a dwelling place, the temple, for his presence. So firstly, what does it mean to be a temple, to be a dwelling place? Let's just get that uh, confirmed in us. A temple uh, is traditionally known to be a place where God resides, a place where uh, there's worship, uh, where people gather and people learn. So some people would describe the Riverside Centre, if they knew this, this is where we came to church, they might describe this building as being a temple, because that's where you go to meet God, you worship, you gather, and you learn. But we know, or maybe you're starting to learn to know, that actually there's something dramatically different since Jesus came along and died for us. In that Paul says, uh, it is no longer 
the building, the physical building. It is our physical bodies that become the temple of his presence. Pretty cool, isn't it? Not only pretty cool, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Like, pretty cool is such an understatement. But you, in your body right now, if you were to look around at the other person, you'd say, you're a living temple of the presence of God. Wow! You are a living temple of the presence of God. We like to disbelieve it. We like to diminish that. We like to minimize it. We like to go, sometimes I am. But he wants to live and dwell in you, which is exceptional. Why? Because we now have relationship with him. Every day of the week, every minute of the day, you can live in relationship with him and the presence of God living in you. So no longer do you have to go to a building or go on a pilgrimage to a place to go and meet with God. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and live in us because we are now the temple. The Lord wants to dwell in you, have his presence in you. The word dwell means to live, it, live in it, to reside in it, or to keep attention directed on. If I really wanted to be socially awkward right now, I could make really good eye contact with Chris and be like, I'm keeping my attention directed on you. And that is what God is doing with us. In relationship with us, he's going, I am keeping my attention directed on you. I am faithful, I'm good, I'm with you always, I've got your back, I'm here for you. And um, yeah, that is the case. When the presence of God lives in us, he is dwelling in us and his direction is upon us. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's the first one. We now, we now agree that we understand what a temple is, that you are the living temple. Yes? Yes, excellent. Secondly then, what's the altar about? What does it mean when it says you are an altar? It means that it is the place we make our sacrifices to honor him and to choose for lit to live for him as part of our worship. It's the place where we bring our choices, the place where we bring our praise and our worship to honor the spirit and to uh, worship him in fullness. Because when the Spirit lives in us, it will stir us to come and make different choices to ones we might have done before we knew him. So we no longer need a lamb. So if you're familiar with your Bible, the Old Testament, it, the way of doing this was a lamb was sacrificed to atone for people's sin. Um, and that was the way God had instructed them to do it. But we now live post-Old Testament, post-Jesus living, dying, rising again and defeating sin for all time. We live in an age where he has completed the biggest sacrifice of all for all time on behalf of you and I. So he has fulfilled the sacrifice. But what is then happening is you and I now are a living sacrifice whilst we're alive, our living bodies. Jesus wants to be in relationship with us and in honoring the spirit and in honoring Jesus and his sacrifice, we honor him with our bodies, our eyes, our hearts. We then choose different ways to bring this sacrificial living to honor him. With your body, it might be that uh, it's, you're thinking about things like you're sacrificing the desires of your heart, sacrificing physical needs or excessive desires that we have. Um, an example of that, which we, uh, if you read Corinthians, that chapter a bit more, is about sexual immorality. It might be that you need to honor 
with your eyes, what you see, what you feed yourself with, and with your mind. It might be materialism. It might be coveting what other people have and wanting it for yourself. It might be envy. These are things where we're making choices with our bodies and eyes and mind about bringing our sacrificial living as an altar of praise to our Father. And another one might be your heart, honoring him with your heart, which is the pride of life. Don't know about you, but uh, this is one that I'm often convicted of, where I put myself on the throne of life and say, Jesus, I've got it. And say, I don't need you, or not even consciously say that, but I'm just going to do it myself. And the pride of life, my self-sacrificial worship to the Lord is going, no, you have the throne. So we're now living temples, and one of our acts of worship is where we daily choose to give ourselves entirely to him. In our choices, our actions, our sacrificial desires that we, we have, But Paul doesn't say it's a must. He doesn't say it's a law. It's now a rule you have to live by. Because then we can slip into legalism. We're not talking about liberalism either. Where you can just do what you want when you want and ask for forgiveness. And that's okay. That's not honoring to yourself or the spirit or your father. We're talking about living in relationship. Laws over here. Liberals over here. We're talking about living in relationship with Jesus Because you just want to honor him. You want to do the things that please him. Um, You know, if you're married or you've got good friends around, you you will often choose to do things that they might want to do because you know they will enjoy it. It is of benefit to them. And that's because you love them. You do it as a sacrificial part of your relationship with them. And this is what the Spirit is encouraging us to do. When the Spirit lives in us, it's going... We now live sacrificially as part of our worship and praise and relationship with the Father. Now, before I get on to the next bit, I do feel it, it, it still sits with this one as well today, this morning as well, is with this talk, it was quite heavy when I was preparing for it, to be honest, because God was examining my heart deeply. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, this hurts, but that's okay. But the good thing that I need to re-emphasize and emphasize again is this is not shameful. What I'm sharing today is not to shame you into changing your behavior. That's just behavior altercation, right? So there's, uh, in Genesis, read the first few chapters about the fall, Adam and Eve of the apple. And the consequence of that is uh, they have to leave the garden. They are separated from God. But what does God do? Because they are now naked and they're aware of their nakedness. He clothes them. He does not shame them. There is a consequence to sin, which is separation. But he has no interest in shaming you after that point. Okay? So we're not talking about shame today. If you're starting to feel ashamed, I just want to say, break that in Jesus' name. He would like to restore you and bring you back into relationship, okay? And um, this, is, this is a heart and happy message. <laughs> it's challenging, but it's a heart-filled and happy message that the Father wants to be in relationship with you. So, how we do or don't live either honors or dishonors the Spirit. This is where the challenge hits, right? This is where the rubber hits the road. How do we live? How we do or don't live either honors or dishonors the spirit. And I've added in a a verse here, which I'll read out to you from Galatians 5, 13, and then 16 and 18. 
You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, the things we just talked about. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That harks back to one of the talks about being servants and ambassadors. So I say, walk in the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not, uh, you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that's been, in my preparation for this, really just where God's brought me to that peace of knowing that if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is a gracious act. This is a forgiving act. This is a repenting act on my part. And actually, that it invites Jesus back in again. Holy Spirit, fill me again. And um, so just a couple of examples might be helpful for you that I've had to do over the last few years of my life. Um, so one is I love to play football. I've played football since I've been this small. If you know me, I would have talked about football at some point. And it involved playing football Sunday afternoons and at least once during the week as a practice. And there was just a time where I was probably late 20s at this point. So I've been playing since I'm probably about 11 in this rhythm where I just felt just probably God just nudging me going, is this an idol? Do you love football more than you love me? Was sort of the baseline of that question. And... In that conversation with the Lord, again, it's not, for me, it's not a, I can hear it audibly, but it's just a, a noticeable thing in my spirit. I don't know if you can relate to that. But he's going, is this, do you love football more than you love me? And so I decided to give up football for a year. I was like, well, let's check it out. Let's do a litmus test. And um, in that time, I did other things and all that sort of thing. But I got to the end of that year and I go, you know what, actually... The, how I felt and what God was saying, and no, it's not. So I've gone back to play again. But yeah, I know, woohoo! <laughs> Sometimes that's, yeah, that's a good sign. But, you know, there's, there's a choice I had to make at that point, because unless you decide to test something, you don't always know quite where you stand with it. The other thing was, I'm a bit of a nerd and a bit of a geek. I love technology, and um, I'd uh, bought. Uh, I still, I'm still sad about this, but God's working through with it. I'd bought, the, when they first came out, an iPad Pro. The biggest screened one you could get. I'd got the pencil thing with it. It was shiny. I did the whole peel off that protective layer. Oh, delightful. And um, I was like, I'm going to use it for work. It can help me with my devotional time. The screen is bigger. I can see more. <laughs> you know, all these little things that you go, yeah, yeah, I can justify the expense. Um, but then I went on holiday, this was a few months later, and I was relaxing, and I have a fairly, I like, I like doing stuff, so my life is at a tempo where I don't pause a huge amount of time, and I was on holiday, and I paused, this was like a lying down holiday, I was on a sunbed, and um, I was reading a book, and this wonderful Christian woman, her autobiography, and I was just, in a moment of reading her book, I just felt like the spirit say, Debbie, would you sell your iPad for me? You know, you're like, no, no, didn't hear it. No, 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 carry on reading. Um, But it was, it just weighed. Suddenly there was a real, and then, so there was a whisper, and then there was was the weight. I felt the whisper. I heard the whisper, and I felt the weight of it being something slightly more than just my regular thinking, right? And so 
in that moment, I was like, do I love my iPad more than I love Jesus? Do I? Do I love technology more than I love Jesus? And um, so I was on holiday with Anna, and so I, the, the, one of the things we'll get onto later is I told her out loud what the Spirit was doing in me. Why? Not to shame myself. No, because I needed to be accountable. Because if I didn't tell Anna, I could totally have got away with never selling that iPad, right? It would only be me, myself, and I that would have lived in, oh, I've still got it. Um, but I told her because I needed somebody else to know, to hold me accountable, because the Spirit is trying to do a work in me, and if I, I can choose to resist it, or I can choose to be obedient to it. So... It's not like the football story and that everybody will go, yay, afterwards. But I, I solved the iPad, right? So, and it was just, <laughs> yay, yeah, yeah, we all know that feeling. But obedience is more important, right? Yeah, being faithful. He is so faithful to me. I can be faithful back. Um, and you will have your own stories of this, where you are doing these things. Or the, you know, and the stuff in me this week where the Lord's just brought stuff back up. I've gone, so if we're talking about this, do you love this or do you love me? So how do we honor the spirit then? 2 Timothy 1.14 says, God, the good deposit that he has entrusted you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit is really helpful for these things. And I've just got some practical things you can do. Because again, I'm not, the, the Holy Spirit will convict, but he's not there to shame you. He's there to help you, to be a counselor, to comfort you, to help us grow. Because once we understand who we are in Christ, we allow him all in and say, Father, change me so it reflects and honors you. And um, yeah, we just want to see people free, right? This is why we do identity. We want to see you free living as Christ has called you to. Um, so yeah, some practical things. Firstly, ask for the Spirit's help. He is there. He is the helper. Um, and then give him permission to speak. You might go, Holy Spirit, yeah, help me. And then if you don't give him permission to, to challenge, then you can just roll on to the next thing, can't you? And then whether you want to listen to that or not. And then daily choices. He can help us with our daily choices, because this is a daily thing, right? When you wake up in the morning, this is from where it starts. What do our daily choices look like? Sometimes it looks like the verse before the ones that we've read which is 1 Corinthians 6.18, is to shun temptation and flee from impurity into righteousness. Shun isn't like a, uh, you know, if, we, if I was getting to know somebody new and I literally turned my back on them, you would describe that as shunning. Like, pff, go away. To flee doesn't mean to... <coughs> slowly amble around the topic or the issue and just be like, oh, I'll hang out here for a little bit. Oh, I'll be a little bit closer to where it means run. And the context of this, uh, this verse is around, again, sexual immorality. You know, the, the, the de desires of the flesh. And so if you're struggling with that, just think, shun and run. <laughs> shun and run into righteousness. Be courageous. I know what we're talking about actually involves some challenge and it will involve a bit of courage to maybe speak out loud the things that are going on. Because, again, we're not here to shame. We're here to help each other grow and give space for that. And um, 
break agreement with any lies of stuff that you've been doing and the spirit is saying, oh, hang on a minute, that needs to change. You just need to break that and go, right, spirit, I'm going to listen to you and then bring in the, the truth um, and shake up apathy and complacency. You know what? This morning during our, our worship, I was like, Lord Jesus, this is like going from the cruise liner to the battleship this morning. There felt something about our worship this morning. I don't know if you felt it, where we were getting off a cruise liner and going, yeah, I'm here to consume, to battleship singing, <laughs> like warrior prayers, going, oh, Lord Jesus, I feel like I'm part of a team this morning, and we're declaring your name, and we're seeking your goodness and your breakthrough over ash with each other. It just felt like a battleship this morning. So it's shaking off apathy. What does apathy look like to you? Again, it will look different to all of us. It's not a place of shame. It's we're trying to find a place of freedom. Um, be accountable and be in community. I'm going to plug our group life. Be around other people that will point you in the direction of Jesus. Be around them. Get near them. Hang out with them. Because when these things come along that you are struggling with that no longer honor the spirit or is starting to veer away and... Whatever else it might be, they go, come back. Let's, let's just weigh this up together. Let's just pray together. You've made a really courageous step in talking to me about this. Let me pray for you. Let's talk about what could be helpful in this situation. Be in community. Because sin and shame will love to hide you. It loves to keep you in the dark. Keep you separated. Because it will start whispering lies, going, no one else experiences what you do. No one else has done that before. Or, man, if you told that person, they don't want to be your friend anymore. Or they're going to think less of you. Like all this whispering that goes on, sin and shame will love to keep you separated. Being in Jesus loves to keep you in relationship and free. You know, there's an upside. <laughs> Next, repent. Repentance. Say sorry to your father. If I had hurt someone, if I had hurt Jazz, you know, part of our relationship process would be to be, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and you know what? Jesus is just as gracious. He's gone, I've paid it all. That's okay. Come back into relationship. Let's meet together. Live in me. You are, I, the temple is you and your sacrifice is your living daily choices. And lastly, get closer to Jesus. I don't know about you, but the, the closer I get to Jesus... The, the easier I turn, start to spot what the Spirit's saying and I'm more aware of the decisions I'm making, like just being closer to him. Um, and he does actually want a relationship with you. It's uh, the most wonderful thing. And uh, do you want relationship with him? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Every day, yes. Until I die, yes. He is more important than football. He's more important than my iPad. He's more important than my money. He's more important than my relationships. He's more important than my health. He's more important than da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Because <laughs> I know that in knowing him, I am a living temple. And in knowing him, that I will happily choose to be a living sacrifice that worships him in my daily choices. And, uh, yeah. Do you? Yeah. So I'm going to hand over to Lecky at this point. I've said a lot. <laughs>